Today is episode 5 of the Zay Coleman Podcast, where today we'll be talking about five moves that Sacramento Kings and Cleveland Cavaliers should make in the offseason. Also previewing picks 46 through 60 of the NBA draft. The first move the Cleveland Cavaliers should make is drafting uh, Jonathan Kaminga. To be honest, I think this no matter what, go ahead and draft Jonathan Kaminga. Whether if it's at three or you're trading down to five or six with probably Orlando. That's the pick to make. That's probably the one position they're in need of. Because I'm, I have them keeping Colin Sexton. So getting Jalen Green or Suggs is not in my plans for the Cleveland Cavaliers. If, not, if, if that's not in their plans either, go get Jonathan Kaminga. That's like the only other guy in, that's not in the top two. That's even a necessary pick for them. Like, them drafting any, you know, another point guard like a, a Davian Mitchell or James Blue Knight is unnecessary for them. They already have an undersized point guard in in Darius Garland and another one in Colin Sexton. Let's not, don't, like, that pick is not necessary whatsoever for them. Number two is buy out Kevin Love. Let's be real here. Nobody is trading for Kevin Love. Not on that contract of his. Kevin Love is still, a, uh, I'd say, a solid NBA player. He's just injury bug is, is everything. But look, him taking that the reins as the, you know, your locker room leader at $33 million, I think it's 30, $33 million a year, is not nothing. It's not good. That's not good for him. Why is he? He's the highest paid player who played, I think, like 10 games last year. And half of them is him, bitch, is him bitching up with the other young guys on the team. It's time to get rid of, to move away from the Kevin Love experience. That era of Cleveland is dead. It's dead. Dead and buried. Which, that kind of coincides with getting Jonathan Kaminga. Getting Kaminga and playing him with Isaac Accord as the 3 4 as a 3-4 combination, that is your youth movement of the future. I really do believe that. That is the youth movement of the future for them. Number three is give Dylan Windler an ultimatum. I have here play him in the summer league, but it's very clear that they're not going to Dylan Windler is not a part of their plans. I know he's, you know, he's kind of one-dimensional, sort of like a Luke Kennard 2.0. But honestly, that's better than anything that's coming off the bench for the Cavs besides Larry Nance Jr. He is your legitimate seventh man, and he has hardly cracked the rotation. That's unacceptable. That is unacceptable for the Cleveland Cavaliers. That Dylan Windler is not getting any sort of PT whatsoever. It's, it's, it boggles my mind that Kevin Porter Jr. was not in the rotation for the Cavs. They trade him, and he's one of the brighter young stars in the league at 21 years old. It was like a second-round pick, or he was the last pick of the first round, I think. He was a, one of the brighter young stars in the league. Could, he's an easy 20-point-per-game bucket as the current uh, current star of the Rockets. John Wall, but John Wall is also injured. So. But the, go, the de facto star of the Houston Rockets. Dylan Willard might be in that same boat. Honestly, he might be in that same boat of he can be a really good player anywhere else, but isn't sitting 
riding on, riding on, riding on the bench. You know, behind Jetty Osmond, who's already sort of never really had a prime, but kind of passed his prime at this point. Like he's just, he's you know another man collecting minutes on the Cavs right now. But Dylan Willard could be so much more than that on any almost literally almost any other team. Like you put him on the Timberwolves right now, he can walk in, be the starting three, or I guess two, depends on how you view Anthony Edwards is a two or a three. He could be the opposite wing to Anthony Edwards and can thrive there. He could thrive. He can thrive in that Timberwolves system. He can he where they shoot a lot. They shoot a lot. They're a running gun type team. And honestly, with a Ben Simmons as well, he could probably be that. He could probably be that the guy for for the Minnesota. He could thrive there. He could probably be a, a double digit scorer on that team. Number four, kind of mentioned earlier, trade or find a trade suitor for Larry Nance Jr. A couple teams I have listed here are the Clippers and the Nuggets. Man, Larry Nance Jr. running the gun with Yoke channeling the ball. Larry Nance Jr. getting a bunch of dunks, similar to an Aaron Gordon type. Getting a bunch of dunks, just a bunch of dunks just off of uh, Jokic passes. That would be awesome. But in reality, he's going to be stuck in Cleveland next year where nobody passes the ball and everybody's jacking up 30-foot shots. It's ridiculous. But him in a system like Denver, or even with the Clippers as being the backup big, or maybe even starting with uh, over Marcus Morris, who knows? But him being the backup big in Denver, or whatever role he plays with the Clippers, would be cool. Would be good to see. Even with the Lakers, if it's a sign and trade for like a Dennis Schroeder, which Cleveland doesn't need a Dennis Schroeder, but a Dennis, you know, maybe even a KCP-ish type player. That's also really a really. I'd like to see Larry Nance Jr. playing with LeBron again. Yeah, I know he didn't get an, a, a good enough run in Cleveland because you know they were playing. They it was a veteran, very much of a veteran-heavy team, and you know they didn't honestly didn't know what kind of rotation to run in Cleveland. But that's the guy to make. That's that is the guy. That is the team. LeBron James playing Larry Nance Jr. Larry Nance Jr. would probably be better than what he is in Cleveland. Number five, pay Colin Sexton. Again, I kind of mentioned this in a couple of videos or in a couple of episodes. Pay Colin Sexton, man. Like, you have no other score, legitimate scoring threats on your team. Darius Garland is potential. Isaac Okoro is potential. Again, Jonathan Kaminga, while he is the necessary pick, is also potential. Colin Sexton is proven. He is a legitimate 23, 24 point per game score. He has proven to be that good. He has proven to be. Just pay him. Pay him. Pay him, pay him, pay him, pay him, pay him. That is the move. The legitimate move is pay Colin Sexton. That's the move right there. You can have a lineup with Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Isaac Coral, Jonathan Kuminga, Jared Allen, you know, with, I don't know who comes off the bench, probably, you know, Dylan Wendler, and whoever you decide to spend the rest of your picks slash free agency money on. But that's, that is a good youth movement in Cleveland. That is a good youth movement. Okay, now for the Sacramento Kings. Number one is trade Buddy Hill. It's the obvious one. It's been like this for like three years now. Please trade Buddy Hill. Buddy Hill does not like Sacramento. It is very obvious that any other situation, 
this man Buddy Heald would be a god in Sacramento or in any other situation but Sacramento but in the Sacramento he is a spot up shooter I want Oklahoma Buddy Heald in I don't know like maybe Detroit I, I, again I don't know what team what he would be the number one option on. but I want Oklahoma Buddy Heald taking the reins of, of a team maybe like the Orlando Magic him taking the reins of a, a team like the Magic that would be a good sight to see him just putting up 25 might even make the playoffs because the Eastern Conference, in the least in the bottom, is that unpredictable where any team ever can make the playoffs and it wouldn't be a shot. But I want to see Buddy Hill. I want to see a, a, a motivated Buddy Hill. I feel like Buddy Hill is half-assing it just because he's in Sacramento, which, again, I don't necessarily blame him. But that's, you know, that's the price to pay honestly you signed he signed the contract he, he signed a four-year deal with Sacramento he signed a four-year deal with them and I know it's you know it is indeed try time to trade him again I don't necessarily have the perfect fit maybe a Dallas maybe Dallas might be it but I don't see any other team except for the Kings honestly where Buddy Hill plays next season Number two, it's kind of obvious as well. Resign Rashawn Holmes. He's your only big right now. And once you hear number three, you'll know exactly why I said he is the only big in Sacramento. But Rashawn Holmes being, you know, the 13.7-ish rebound per game guy, maybe maybe he puts up more rebounds when, I don't know, Sean Whiteside being gone or, you know, something that happens with number three. Rashawn Holmes is... Honestly, one of the more underrated bigs in the league. He does more than just, you know, put backs and maybe a mid-range jumper or two. He's honestly one of their better defenders as well. You know, and he's still somewhat young. He's only like maybe 26, 27 years old. That's a guy you can pay three, four years down the line. And it's not necessarily a terrible move. Or it's not like he, you know, he fleeced anybody or anything. But with number three... Oh boy, number three is just, I literally have in my notes just Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley. Literally just Marvin Bagley. Marvin Bagley, man. This is a guy that a lot of people had so much promise for, and rightfully so. He had talent coming in into Duke, he had legit talent that I should have been expanded on more but in Sacramento what has he become it's to the point where you can legitimately question will this man be in the league next year will he while Luca gets his 200 mil Aiden will probably get his 200 mil Trey Young will definitely get his 200 mil will Marvin Bagley be in the league next year will anybody take a chance on Marvin Bagley next season while he puts up some okay numbers, not, you know, obviously he's not, not all-star numbers. He puts up okay numbers. But he's become Hassan Whiteside, who I guess technically is still his teammate. He's become he's become Hassan Whiteside 2.0, where it's just numbers with him. It's not, it's, it's, it's points that don't mean anything in the long run. It's rebounds, it's somewhat, sometimes blocks that mean nothing in the long run. He, he, it's literally just him wanting to get his numbers, and that's it. 
It doesn't help that his dad is a nutcase too. It does not help whatsoever. But with, you know, Marvin Bagley, I feel like there's just no, not a fit. Like he'll just be, he'll be an Andrea Bargnani-esque where he puts up good numbers, but it doesn't mean anything in the long run. When he did that in Toronto, nobody, nobody expected Toronto to be a contender at all until after he left. Same with the Kings. Marvin Bagley, I think, could, is honestly holding this team back. Now, granted, this team doesn't have much after him, but that's what a trade is made for. Two people from the same draft class. I think they're a year apart, maybe. Two people from in similar situations that can be traded for each other. A Laurie marketing for Marvin Bagley trade, so not straight up because I don't think they have the money matchup. But those are two guys that you know they can be traded for each other and are in much better situations than they are in currently. Number four for this team. Luke Walton is not a head coach. He is not the head coach for this team. When you have De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, and Rashawn Holmes as the center, and you look like the slowest team in the league. And this is coming from a guy who has Mason Plumlee as his center. Who, again, love Mason Plumlee, but he is slow. He's not a mobile big man whatsoever. The fact that Kings are the slowest team in the league with De'Aaron Fox running the show is a disaster. It's almost to the point where I want De'Aaron Fox to request a trade just so he can play with anybody else other than Luke Walton as a head coach. But it's it's easier. Let Luke Walton go. I, I don't know what's holding the Kings front office back from letting Luke Walton go, but let him go. Let him wander into a, an assistant coaching job somewhere, probably with the Lakers, because he has that connection. But it's not in Sacramento. It's not. It's not. And it will never be in Sacramento. They will never be as successful with Luke Walton as a head coach. And again, they could win 50 games next year and make me eat my words, but something tells me they won't do that. I don't know if it's 17 straight years of them not being a playoff team, or if it's just, you know, Luke Walton not being a proven head coach with actual, you know, having to work with actual people. Like, yes, he was a good head coach with possibly the greatest team of all time. Here in Sacramento, they can't get out the 12th seed or 11th seed. They can't, they can't get past obscurity. And that's a shame because we have genuinely good young talent in the team. But it's not going to go nowhere with Luke Walton there. It's not. It is ridiculously bad there. To the point where I feel bad for Kings fans. As a Pistons fan who sat through like three, four years of Stan Van Gundy. Genuinely feels bad for the, for the Sacramento Kings fans. And people who love Kings basketball. It's a shame, man. It is a shame that De'Aaron Fox and Tyree Tyler Burton and soon-to-be Davion Mitchell and Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, uh, Marvin Bagley to some extent, Rashawn Holmes, Kyle Guy, guys and you know, others, Shamizi Metu, who unrated also. It's just a shame that all that young talent in Hassan Whitehead are stuck playing in the slow, the slowest system possible 
It's almost it's almost almost as bad as when the triangles ran in New York. When they ran the triangle in New York and Carmelo and Amari Stoudemire and Joe Kim Noah and all that. It's almost as bad as that. Not as bad because, you know, the Kings at least they have a direct somewhat of a direction. Somewhat of a direction. Not a clear direction. But you can put a finger or two together to make a direction. But that's not, it's not clear with Luke Walton as the head coach. But De'Aaron Fox is the point guard. That's not a duo that should match for an NBA championship. Like a Giannis and, and Mike Budenholzer, you can see that that is a championship duo. Best player to head coach ratio right there. You know, a Kawhi and Frank uh, and uh, Nick Nurse, you might not see it on paper, but once you, you see it on the floor, that is a championship duo. Luke Walton and De'Aaron Fox is not a championship duo. And it's not the player's fault, it is the coach's fault. And 99 out of 100, it is the coach's fault. And 99 out of 100, it's the player that gets, you know, disciplined for It's a sad case in this league where Luke Walton will probably last longer in Sacramento than Darren Fox in all reality. Again, I might eat my words and Luke Walton might be gone tomorrow, but something tells me that's not likely. And number five, use your pick wisely. Draft someone who would be ready to compete on day one, i.e. a Davion Mitchell, a James Blue Knight, or if he falls, a Keon Johnson. I have him going to Golden State of, I believe, eight. Kings have the ninth pick. If he falls, Keon Johnson's the guy to take there. If he doesn't, if all three of these guys are taken, I have no clue who they're going to take. Probably like Isaiah Todd or whatever. But, again, not likely. But Davion Mitchell, man. Deep, again, it sucks that he's going to Sacramento. He could go to Sacramento. It the, truly does suck because Damian Mitchell is all is an energy type guy. He's a very energetic guy, on especially on defense. But him under that Luke Walton, you know, slow mayonnaise type, you know, system. I feel kind of feel bad for Damian Mitchell, man. I really, really, really do. So we are now here with these. 46 through 60 pick. I'm gonna be honest, it was a struggle, man. It was a struggle to have to come up with names. In writing down some of the names I wrote down, I'm like, man, I really did have a lot of these guys sliding home. But then you also think, this is a really deep draft class. One of the more deep top one to 60 draft classes we've had in a minute. It was a struggle to sit through some of the more recent draft classes through, you know, 50s, even the high, uh, you know, high 40s. It was a struggle to sit through. But with some of the names I have here, like I'll start with the first one, Scotty Lewis out of Florida. I think in any other draft class, he'll probably be a first round pick. It's just how really, this class is really deep. He He's an excellent scorer, but he is, it's just, it sucks that he's following a draft class like this where, you know, I have a Deshaun Nix who has a lot of hype behind him because he was in the G League. You know, the whole, you know, playing with grown men thing. It's crazy. that he's he's at 53 for me. He's at 53. 53. 
and to New Orleans again got a lot of hype behind him. Even an, an Aaron Wiggins out of Maryland again, he might not have had the greatest season of all time, but he's still named that type. Mostly because he's brilliant, but also because he has genuine talent. I'm 56 to Charlotte. 56. Even a guy like Javante Smart out of LSU, again, a guy that ruled at LSU, he was a, the guy at LSU, honestly. He, between him and Trent, but I don't even say that Javante was better than Trent. I had him at 51. 51. That's how deep this class is, where a, one, of guys, one of the more hyped guys in this draft class, one of the top players in one of the deeper conferences, and even one of the you know, top, you know, siblings, sibling combos in, in recent memory, in Aaron Wiggins. Again, all of them, two out of three are 50s. Uh, all of them, oh, sorry, all three of them are 50s. Even a guy like Quentin Grimes, again, I might as well just name everybody I have here at this point. 48, 48 to Atlanta, Quentin Grimes. I know a lot of people will say, oh, he's, he's a lottery type talent. So the 40, probably 44, 47 guys that I have ahead of him. That's how deep this class is, that they have lottery potential. Even a Josh Christopher, I said yesterday, 37 or 38 to Detroit or Chicago. You would have told me I was crazy if I, we had this conversation in real life. You would have dogged me for having this conversation with you, that Josh Christopher is going to be a second round pick. Um... Even 49, A.J. Lawson, who I truly, I really do like A.J. Lawson. He's a he's a good player. Again, another guy that has lottery to late teens uh, potential. I'm 49 to Brooklyn, which a lot of these, uh, keep in mind, I have a lot of, I don't think they're going to these teams. I just think that's around where they fall. Because a lot of these second-round picks can be traded on draft night, before draft, even potentially after draft, like an Anthony Davis type situation. This could be... Potential. This is a potentially one of the deepest draft classes ever. Now again, I don't trust a lot of the franchises that's going to handle this, these talents because that's just how it crumbles. But these are all genuine talents that could thrive if given opportunity. So I'm going to start with the people that I have not named, already, and then we'll just kind of you know review the guys that we already talked about. First, 47, Nehemiah Keta. Center. I might have botched the name so hard, but the center out of uh, out of Houston. I'm oh, sorry, out of I've already on what college this man played for, but you know, shot blocking machine. Again, he can, you know, he's a he can he can be a rim runner. He can be what a lot of centers are nowadays. You know, a Clint Capella type, maybe a, a Rudy Gobert. Of it depends on how you view him as a, a, a runner. You know that kind of big. He can be. He can honestly be some. He can consent. Again, that's the thing. I don't want to say the wrong thing and get you know killed for it. But he could be. You know, you know, probably maybe a Geely bro, but it could be putting up and put more numbers up. That's just my opinion. Um, skip to fifty. We have uh, Cam Langley out of uh, NCAA. I believe, I believe it was North Carolina A&T. North Carolina A&T. He's solid, man. Like again, I haven't didn't watch as much of him as I would, you know, care to admit. But 
I think he he could be solid. Like in Philly, I doubt he's gonna play. He's gonna be another like Shake Milton type, where it, it takes a couple of years for him to actually get continued. Uh, 52 Detroit. I, I had them taking. It was really, really, really close. Sorry, not background. That's this kid outside. But uh, yeah, I had them either taking Deshaun next or taking JT Thor. But I figured if the Detroit's taking K Cunningham, they're not going to take another point guard. So this is going to be the JT Thor pick. He'll probably be. He'll probably be in the second and third spot, to be honest with you. To be honest, he's gonna be in the JT, he's gonna be in the second and third spot. Where folks will probably use him on, he'll probably go somewhere, he'll probably be better. That's just how the life goes. Number 54, Romeo Williams out of the Paul. Again, this is this is based, this is based off of a conversation I had a couple days ago about the Pacers. Their wing depth is almost embarrassing how little their wing depth. Unless, unless you do count Edmund Sumner and like Aaron Holiday as two guards, their wing depth is atrocious. And it doesn't get better if, T, if Doug McDermott walks and TJ Warren is likely traded and Jeremy Lamb might get frustrated because the team sucks. It's going to look bad. Like Jakar Sampson, who again, again I'm, you know, start by saying I like Jakar Sampson. I know he gets a lot of flat because uh, he, he's he's basically a meme for the, the seven games he played in Chicago where he averaged 20. But I actually genuinely like Jakar Sampson. But he's not a starting small forward on a good playoff team on a playoff team. He's not. He's really not. That's why he went to Chicago because they not they weren't a playoff team at that point. Still aren't. And this, I, I hope they are. Honestly, I hope they are. But getting, you know, a Romeo Williams, getting a Zaire Williams, get a, getting, just getting depth. I even have Kobe Thomas. He's, who, he can play both wing spots. He can play a two, he can play a three, he can probably play a point for them. But their wing depth is atrocious. It is atrocious. Just sure up the wings, and you might be decent. You have three legit, legitimately three centers on your team. And all three of them are not getting playing time. I don't know why they spent a first-round pick on a center when you have two good centers already. It just makes no sense. For 55, I have OKC taking Kyrie Walker out of Hillcrest Prep. I think outside of the G League guys, I think he's the only the only person on my list that wasn't a traditional college player. Like he went to, he went to a prep school. I think everybody else is you know D1 potentially D2 guys, but. Kyrie Walker, again, a name a lot of people haven't heard since his high school years, which is kind of a running theme with a lot of his late 50s picks over the last few years. Is oh yeah, I remember that. I remember him playing, you know, really good in high school, having all the hype in high school, and didn't get jacked nothing in college. Similar to Cassius Stanley last year, and a Jalen LeCue the year before that. Those those guys had potential. They were potential. Potential, 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 potential. You saw the high school make, you saw the, you know, the balls like clips, and you thought, man, they're going to be a star one day. And now they're barely cracking the rotations on the teams they play for. And you wonder, man. To be honest, I could have probably just made the Kyrie Walker pick. 
to Indiana and have that be like the the all uh, high school hype team. Jalen McHugh, Cash Stanley, and Kyrie Walker on the Pacers. That's kind of that's kind of you know that's kind of what it is at this point. But for Kyrie uh, Kyrie Walker, I really hope he's you know he gets the PT United, and that's kind of OKC right there. They just want players. I think they probably have like five picks in the draft. Nothing. And they probably will trade for another one, to be honest. Because that's kind of where Kemba is. Is he'll probably be trading for a pick. Maybe another player with the match salary. But it'll probably be a pick. Um, For number 57, Charlotte. I haven't taken Cameron Crutwood. Uh, they got to get rid of those some of the bigs they have in Charlotte. And just start fresh with the ones that... Like, they were almost a playoff team last year. They probably would have if didn't get hurt. But Cody Zeller shouldn't be back in Charlotte next year. Neither should be as Mac Beyond, to be honest. Like, just start fresh. Start with a rebuild. You have three good young guards on the team. And in my opinion, they'll have another another one in most of But that's not happening. They have all an influx of bigs on that team. It is... You know, P.J. Washington and Vernon Carey, who they don't play. And Nick Richards, who they don't play. And it'll probably be Cameron Crutwig-type vibes there, too. He's a big that had, you know, some buzz around him at Loyola, Chicago. But we probably won't get a lot of PT in Charlotte just because that's how late 50s picks. you got to earn your right to be on a rotation. Which sucks because these guys have been fighting 19, 20, 21, 22 years of their life to get to this spot since they were babies who've been, you know, in the living room. Middle school, high school, AAU, college. And now you got to fight as a 57th pick to even be a third string center on the Charlotte Hornets. That sucks. But Cameron fought with currently, again, He's a potential guy. He has potential. But let's see if Charlotte actually follows through with it. Number 58 for the Knicks. I almost had this being the Cameron Cartwright pick, pick and 58 being 57. But McCord Maker out of Howard. You know, Tom Maker, Maker's brother. That's kind of what he is. It's literally Tom Maker's brother at this point. But man, he's better. I think he's better than Tom. And KG said that Tom's going to be an MVP one day. That we, we knew immediately that that wasn't what happened. But man, McCord Maker has talent. Again, it's mostly because of the thin frame and the fact that he went to HBCU that people will discredit him immediately. But man, McCord Maker has genuine blue blood school type talent. And I feel like if he did go to a blue blood school, he'd probably be in the lottery. But with, you know, going to the Knicks, both of the Knicks centers are free agents this year, y'all. Both of them. Even Taj Gibson, even if you count him as a center technically, he's also a free agent this offseason. If McCord make if all three of them walk, which I doubt because Mitchell Rogers is a restricted free agent, if McCord make is the only big on this team and he starts, he might be a top tier rookie next year. Again, kind of a controversial, bold statement. That's just a fact, man. He, if he plays, he could be huge for them. He could be their new Porzingis, honestly. If again, just play. If you, he, if he plays, 
he could be their point guard, their point guard that they always wanted. You know, it's almost like they almost had. It's almost like they had him for three years. Fifty nine again. This is like the last one that I didn't talk about. MJ Walker at FSU, kind of a self-explanatory pick. Brooklyn likes offense. MJ Walker is offense. And to recap on a lot of the, pick, the picks that I talked about earlier, I didn't realize I didn't even realize in that little skit that I talked about a lot of picks. All right, Scotty Lewis out of Florida again, all potential. Let's see if he holds up. AJ Lawson again, Brooklyn likes offense. AJ Lawson is offense. Uh, you know, even with Indiana Romeo wings again, wings. They need wings. He is indeed a wing. Okay. So this one's getting cut off a little bit prematurely because you know, this like this recording here isn't necessarily the best. But you know, if you know if you missed if you missed any of the episodes, go check them out there on Spotify, there on Google Podcasts. And if you you know if you want to check me out on any social media, it's, it's Amaker15 on Snapchat. Same thing on Twitter, it's able to cherry on Instagram. You know, I love you, you love me, let's love each other. Bye.